Encouraging Others Through Christ, podcast episode number 132. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Well, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Encouraging Others Through Christ. Cliff Ravenscraft here. It's been a little while, but, uh, you know, I'm only recording these episodes whenever I feel led to do so, and I have the opportunity to have awesome conversations, and I am delighted once again to invite back to the show my good friend, Wayne Jacobson. Wayne, welcome back. Hi, Cliff. Thanks for uh, getting us together again. Well, I'll tell you what, I bet you I'm going to have a ton of new downloads for this episode simply because of the fact that the God journey is on hiatus. And if word gets out that you're in a podcast anywhere, I'm just bound to pick up some extra traffic. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely put the word out just because, you know, the addicts are starting to go through withdrawal symptoms. So they need something somewhere. Well, I'll tell you what, I am absolutely thrilled, um, you know, just with what God's been doing in my own personal journey since I first read your book, So You Don't Want to Go to Church Anymore, uh, a year ago, and I I was uh, excited to have this conversation because it's been one year since I've gone to this place uh, that many people call the church, the weekly gathering, and... Ah. As you are aware already, I wrote a blog post for my one-year anniversary where I answered an email from somebody who said, and, and this is somebody that I, I love and respect very much, and says, hey, I'm sure people have asked you this, but it's been a while now. I wonder what form does your Christian life take these days now that you're no longer a part of an institutionalized religious gathering? And uh, so I wonder, just what was your feedback after reading my post? Any, any, any words or any thoughts on that? Well, I, I enjoyed the process of it and the fact that, uh, you know, don't have anything figured out, can describe what I'm doing and what I'm up to. But I, I really think the whole journey, p- people who think inside the box of it's got to look like a certain program are always looking for programmatical answers. And so it's probably very unsatisfying to some, but I, I love the thrill of a journey. And the fact is, I'm finding it to be a bit more rugged now because that's because everything's not being served to me on a silver platter. I'm actually having to sort out who God's asking me to connect to, how I live that out. And it's much more generated from our own heart than it is someone else's program imposed on us. Yeah. I think that's always positive. You know, one of the things one year later that I, I realized, a lot of things that I quote-unquote personally blamed the institutionalized church for I realize a lot of that, I put, kind of put a lot of that on myself, uh, and, and it was easy to use the church as a scapegoat, and, and so I guess I'm less hostile towards the institutionalized church after one year of not going. Right. I, I, I personally feel like if I wanted to, I could go, I could be a, a, a giving participant in the things that go on without being resentful or without being um, the type of person who has to argue the things that I think they're wrong on or the things that they say. I feel like I, I could take that approach, but at the same time, I have absolutely zero desire to go to or commit to a weekly gathering of people every Sunday just like it's always done just because that's the way people have always done it. 
Yeah, which is probably the worst reason to go anyway. I mean, if, if you go because there's people there you love, because there's conversation that, that spurs on your own spiritual journey, I think those are some very positive reasons to go. I, I don't really think the issue is about people going or not going to church. I think the main thing is getting that surrogate out of the way between us and Father. Even if you go, don't go like that's your spiritual mantle, and that's what you need to live by and all that. I mean, you go because there's nurturing conversations to your journey, and that, that can be valuable. It's just that most often the journey, the conversations aren't valuable for our journey. Often the conversations are performance-based, guilt-based, and that's when you, if you got to spend three days recovering from going to church on Sunday morning, and it's probably not helpful to you, and, and, and you probably go somewhere else. But I think increasing freedom in our own heart, uh, what you just described to me really speaks to generosity. I now don't have to be right. I don't have to prove you wrong. I don't have to blame you for my baggage. I get to now live inside what God's doing. And I think that makes us incredibly generous toward people who don't see it the way we do. Yeah, it, I, it, that's exactly it. I, I, I feel like God's given me so much grace in this area to extend to others that, that you know, and, and here's the thing. The, the one thing that I'm almost certain of is that I'm more certain that I'm uncertain about more things. And by that, I mean, I don't even know if you know, people say, well, gosh, Cliff, do you think that what you're doing is right and what I'm, I, no, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that this is the place where I am in my journey today. And at the end of my blog post, I'm like, I don't know if I'll plug back into a weekly attending gathering of people at some point in the future. I have no idea. I, maybe, maybe yeah. not. It, I'm, I trust that if God wants me there, he's going to get me there one way or another. And at this point, I, I, openly say, God, speak to my heart. And I have not felt the Father leading me to that commitment. But yet I have, and, and, and I, I can't escape it. I, it's, it you, I remember the time when I used to be taught, look for every opportunity to insert God into the equation of, of your relationship with everybody you have. That was this predetermined thing uh, that you, you ought to do. And Ever since then, I've kind of given that up. I even before, even before I left the religious institution, I kind of gave that up. But ever since I did leave, I just it just everywhere I go, everywhere I turn, people bring up the conversation. Uh, they're like, "So tell me about you know this your Christian faith and where do you go to church and stuff like that." And I'm just like, "I kind of don't," you know. And and of course, that always spurs on a wonderful conversation. But it's always been beneficial. It's always been very rewarding conversations and a lot of people who go to church they've been like wow that i never thought about that and none of the conversation was about why they should leave the church or me blaming the church for anything all i'm right. doing is explaining what i've learned about my relationship with god and that it hasn't been necessarily you know something that i had to have the church there for it's, so I, I don't even talk about the institution i talk about the relationship i talk about what i'm learning about god through jesus what i've read in the scriptures and i'm like and it, it's just eye opening to them and many of them walk away having benefited spiritually mentally thinking in a whole new it's like wow that is great insight and they go back to their religious weekly institution and they're better for it. And I'm like, okay, cool. I love yeah, isn't, it. Isn't that a better conversation? I mean, you first started out by talking about, you know, I have I have less certainty in my life now. And 
uh, Randall Arthur, who was the uh, author of a book called Wisdom Hunter a number of years ago, he, he defined spiritual maturity one day as moving from confident arrogance to thoughtful uncertainty. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I hope he's right, because that's how my journey's gone, so I hope it's becoming more mature, because I'm less certain about things that I used to be really certain about, but I'm much more in the kind of conversations you're talking about where we're really talking about Jesus and his life and how he makes himself known. I, I think religious people, when I was a religious person, I had to insert Jesus in the conversation because honestly, people didn't want to talk to me about it because I was a bit obnoxious. I think now the reason I don't have to insert it is because I'm less obnoxious. And if we get into a talk about our spiritual journey, and this goes every which way. I, mean, I was with a pastor of a very large fellowship in Toronto, Canada last week. And we did a podcast together, and we're sitting there talking about our very different visions of things without our need to convince the other person and, and just the freedom to have a dialogue about theology and about church life, all kinds of things, with no compulsion for either one of us to convince or judge the other, but let their journey unfold as to what God has in mind for them. And that makes you a more fun person to talk to. So you, you don't have to manipulate the conversations near as much. Absolutely. And and that's what I found. I, I, I've enjoyed the freedom to have the conversations without having to be right. And yeah. also without people pleasing. I I, I I would love to say I'm completely broken from it. And I feel like I am. I'm, I'm sure I'll probably it'll sneak up and creep up. But man, I really believe I, God's brought me to a place where I understand that I there's there's no requirement as a Christian, as a follower of a Christ to please others, uh, that I really have un- I come to an understanding that the only thing, when it comes to my heart and the motives of my heart and explaining who I am and where I'm coming from, and 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 it's only me and God. That, that's yep. it. And I no longer feel like I need to live up to anyone else's expectations. And the this has not just been freeing in the conversations of faith, but Wayne, I'm sure you've just in the little bit you've known me, you probably already know I'm a workaholic. <laughs> yeah, I gathered that I, just from looking at your output, dude. <laughs> I I'm a workaholic, and and I struggle sometimes, and and I've actually got up to a place where I've learned to say this word no, mm. uh, and and you know I had somebody email me the other day, and of course I get so many quick questions via the email, and. I wrote back, I've got this little pre-written little thing that says I'm going to place my business where I receive 40 to 100 plus emails every day. And, you know, unfortunately, I can't, can, you know, answer everything via email. Um, I have a free podcast where I answer this. There's these places. There's this. But if you're interested in some one-on-one help regarding what you've written me, I'm available for consulting. This is my rate. I'm minimum one hour. I've got a podcasting A to Z course. And I got an email back from this guy. And he's like, Wow. How I've, it's been so, here I thought, I've, I've been on your site for days, I thought you were the greatest guy in the world, and this, I'll have to admit, I am completely let down, and mm. and, and wow, I, I'm back to the place where I was before I found you, completely without the answers and help that I'm looking for. And and Wayne, I'll tell you, that, that, that email I before I would have lost two or three nights of sleep. I probably would have spent about four hours responding to the email, defending myself. Right now, I'll be honest with you. I have not archived the email, and it's on my to-do list because I eventually do want to respond to it. But I actually will respond. I, I'm thinking I'm going to respond to it in a blog post, and I won't specifically mention the person's name. 
but it as a place of where I am. It, is it, it, am I expected to be all things to all people? And I'm not. I, I have to understand that God's not going to give me more today than what I can handle. And I'm already saying yes to too many people. And I and, and so I said yes to one person or two people. I need to say yes to about 40 or 50 other people each day. Otherwise, I can't say yes to God. I can't say yes to my wife. I can't say yes to my children. And I can't say yes to the treadmill. Yeah, it amazes me uh, how uh, how the brashness of some people. When, when I've got more free stuff on my website than, you know, my, my best books, my best audio, my, the, the video I did on the Jesus Lens. All that stuff's free off my website every day. And yet occasionally I get this email of there's not enough free. You sell a book. You, you know, you know, I don't even charge when I go travel. I don't even charge my airfare when I show up somewhere. And yet I'll still get that email. And one, I feel sorry for those people because there's kind of a, I mean, I don't know what kind of drives that. Like I, I should be the center of your world and that's not helpful to them. On the other side of it, I for a long time have just said, you know what, there's time every day for what God asked me to get involved in. And there's not time to get involved in everything everybody else asks me to get involved in. And that can be, you know, even personal things like that where you very much care about a guy who might be disillusioned because I wasn't who he thought I needed to be to him. The other thing for me has been the aftermath of all the Shack success has been a thousand opportunities to be involved in a variety of ministries, businesses, author consulting, whatever. And I'm just on the midst of an hiatus saying, you know what, I've had two acts in my life. I had my pre-94 and then post-94 time. Now I'm approaching 60. And I've been in this thing for about a year now, and more specifically the last three months. What does life look like in my third act? And I I don't know. I I leave next month on my last scheduled trip. Now I have 150 invitations sitting on my desk. I can travel anywhere I want to, but that's the last one Jesus clearly indicated to me to say yes to. So I've not said yes to anything else. Now, I think I probably will travel again, but I'm having a kind of conversation right now with God. My wife is going through a beautiful transformation, something in her life neither one of us knew was there. And I've told God, if my third act is just helping Sarah be all God's called her to be on the planet and find the real joy that's hers, if I don't write again, travel again, podcast again, I'm content with that. And I'm I'm genuinely am. I, I would just say, gosh, I put enough stuff in the world. If I don't put any more in the world, well, there's plenty there. But I'm I, I want to say yes to what God wants me to say yes to, and not just even what my past career and past doings, what it's promoted, what it's allowed me to do now is a billion things. And people talk about, you know, cap I heard this in Canada, I thought it was a brilliant statement. When people tell you to capitalize on your notoriety or capitalize on your moment in the sun, they're really telling you to follow something else other than God. You're really following the lights instead of following the light. Yeah. That was so helpful to me because there's lots I can do as a good steward probably should do in an obligatory sense. But as a servant of God in the earth, I'm living at his pleasure, not mine. So I'm, I'm inside the space of, God, what's next in your mind? Not what do I want to do, feel pressed to do, or obligated to do by people. Because I get some of those same emails, Cliff, where people feel like not only have I done all that I've done, but now they should really be able to fly my home and spend three days with me, and I should personal counsel them. And if I don't, I'm not really the man of God I claim to be. And there's not much you can do with that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, you know, I, and I want to I get back to this, you know, what form does your Christian life take? Uh, and I have some specific questions about that. But I want to go down this trail where we're at right now. 
a little bit further because what that's the thing. I, I'm very success driven. I'm a very driven person. And uh, God will get to that too. What's that? God will get to that too. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and and you know, I I wonder though. I wonder though, Wayne, if if that isn't some of what God has designed me. You know, if if that's a little bit of what He's called me. You know, to be. I I don't know. I I, I go back and forth. I don't know either. Only answer for me. Twenty years ago, tremendously driven. Today, not at all. I, I'm kind of at peace with who God's made me to be in the world. I see the major things God's asking me to be a part of are not the things I plotted, orchestrated, and got into, but the things that unfolded. And because I, I'm not so driven to my own thing, uh, even things I thought were godly, I'm more relaxed to recognize the things He's doing. So for me. Getting undriven was a real gift of God in my life. Yeah. So well, I can but, I can appreciate that, and 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 I and I appreciate you sharing that because you know when you and I last talked, we talked about I, I think the last conversation was is God bigger than your 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 wallet or something like that is what I titled it. Okay. And, and and you know that really got me to thinking about you know do I need to worry about this do you know am I responsible for making that next right deal or sign you know signing that big contract with so and so is that how is that how at the end of the month the bills get paid and and the kids have what they need for their braces or whatever the case may be or is God just going to work all that stuff out anyway because He loves me and He's thrilled with me and and I know the answer to the question most of the time and i struggle with it a lot of the other times so yeah there, I, I i totally appreciate what you're saying there and and i take that as something that i will chew on and 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 allow my spirit to be challenged and my mind to be challenged in that area um, well it's a work god's got to do it certainly I, i'm not going to wake up tomorrow and say i'm going to choose to be less driven we're driven because of whatever's going on at a deeper level when god works and disarms our life and grows our trust in him if he wants us to be less driven, we will be. So yeah. it's not a matter of we all should not be driven. Yep. Although I hate the word, I hate the term purpose-driven life. I hate that <laughs> whole idea. I know you do. But I, I'll say the degrees of which we are motivated to do the things we do really comes from a deeper level than our conscious choices. It really is going to rise from when God wants me less driven, his freedom will invite me into a, in a more spacious place. Yeah. I give you an example. I was talking to an author recently. He's published three books. He's he done some good stuff. And he's writing a fourth. And he's asking me, the, the thing he wants is to be a best-selling author. So he's got this story, and he's trying to structure the story. He's asking me how he should structure this to be a best-selling author. And I looked at him, I said, why do you want to be a best-selling author? And no, he had never thought of the question. I mean, just kind of, you're an author. Of course you want to be a best-selling author. So I said, why are you trying to be a best-selling author? And he said, I don't know. I said, well, think about it for a minute. Why do you want to be a best-selling author? Why don't you just want to say what God's given you to say in the world? Trust him to put it in whosoever hands he wants to put it into. And he said, well, I guess I just want to have financial independence. I said, oh, you want to be a best-selling author so you don't have to trust God every morning when you wake up for what your provision is. Oh, <laughs> Wayne, don't use that logic, man. That stuff gets everybody in trouble. It was great because he looks at me and goes, I hate talking to you about this stuff. That's perfect. <laughs> I love it. Yes, I know. Ah, so so anyway, you know, we'll, I do want to go back to this other thing. There, there are times, Wayne, where where I hear you talk about, you know, this 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 gathering, or I, I don't know if the word is gathering that you use. You you use a word about some friends in Australia, down in Australia. 
and and I don't know what you but but you said and when and when they meet or when they get together, you know, it, it seems to me what you're talking about are a group of believers who seem to be on this on a similar journey and and who seem to maybe meet with some regularity in some fashion. I want to know what that is, what you're talking about when I hear you kind of just mention that in passing. Are they a part of something that they've institutionalized or is it something that's more organic? And and what does that look like in, in the lives of those specific people? Well, those specific people, what it looked like then was occasionally they get together in someone's home, maybe once or twice a month. It would happen because someone said, hey, why don't y'all come to my home Friday night and they had a trailer full of plates and cooking utensils and things. So they could easily show up at someone's place, unpack this little trailer, have all the stuff they need to set up place settings and have people eat together. It was always part of a meal, part of a dialogue. Uh, so that was that was probably their life together. And then maybe once every three or four months, they might have, or even maybe once a year, they might have a, a region-wide kind of y'all come. Folks that know about us just want to come in and spend a day. They might have some teaching guy from out of town come in and help them with some content. They might not. They might just be together. They're not doing that now. That that was 14 years ago. They're on a very different journey. Some of those people have scattered into other things and other realities. So it's changed. I think the danger of always being having an intentional, regular meeting, anybody who's ever done it knows, it's easy thing to start. Everybody's excited. Something new. We're a part of it. Five, six, eight meetings down the road, people are already sliding into, okay, this is my routine, so I'm here putting in my time, and there's not much energy in it, there's not much conversation in it. And I, as much as part of us seems to think we are creatures of routine, and I want something regular to kind of affirm something, I think there's also something about regular meetings that put us to sleep spiritually. So I'm, I'm a little cautious about it. So when the Bible says, you know, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing, but do so more often, more and more as you see the day approaching, then obviously that just means that, hey, you know, invite those people over when you feel led to do so. You know, don't forsake that. Get together with other believers. It's not necessarily let's have a weekly meeting or a regular scheduled meeting. Well, it's definitely not have a weekly meeting because even the very next bit gets and encourage one another daily. Right. So the assembling together is not, we had a meeting on Sunday morning. It's, we are, are, we're not walking alone. That's the forsake, you know, don't forsake the assembling of yourself. I think the assembling is not we had a meeting, but our lives are being connected by the Holy Spirit together. That comes through ongoing conversations. Whether those conversations can exist in, we'll agree to do it every Monday night at 7 o'clock and not do it in the spontaneous ways that conversations arise at moments. If Sarah and I had a weekly meeting to talk about our marriage, I think over time it would grow incredibly horrible. We talk about our marriage when something comes up in the reality of life and now's the time to talk about it. This is the, the, the propitious moment. I think we try to schedule those things and then we get bored with those things right. and then... I was in a traditional church last weekend up in Canada speaking, and I, I'm looking around going, how much energy here is being used to create this artificial Sunday morning environment that in the long run has nothing to do with how I am on the job, how I love my wife, how, other than I may get some guidelines and rules about that, but what is it really shaping me to live differently in the world? And I, I think you look around during worship time, it's a good worship band, it was a good worship set, though it was mostly in French, but... I'm just glancing around the room seeing how many people are really engaged with this who do it every week. Yeah. And they're not. You can tell by their faces they're not. And I, you know, when I was in it every week, it's like every week you got to, okay, I got to bring myself here. I got to get myself into this. 
it wasn't growing out of the naturalness of my life. It was growing out of an artificial process that we were trying to subjugate our lives to. And I think that makes it more complicated. Yeah. But so, I'm not against intentional gatherings. I know it sounds like that, but I, if people around here said, hey, let's get together every couple of weeks and, and converse about our journey, I'd be, I'd be the first one to say, yeah, let's give it a go. Let's make sure that each time we're doing it, it's fruitful. And when we slide into the routine of it, let's stop for a bit and make sure we can get back. Because I, I love the intentional conversation of my life along other brothers and sisters. I can do that in a meeting, though not always. I can do it without a meeting very freely, but then the, that danger of that is people get so lazy that they go six, seven weeks just job and school and kids and have never connected to have the conversation outside themselves. That's, so they're both, there's dangers both ways. Right. And you, so you got to choose what God's asking you to do and then live in that. So when, when I remember the book of Acts, you know, or, or actually many, actually no, the, the, the epistles, you know, oftentimes it's like, and hey, this is the, to the church uh, or actually at the end of it, there's some salutations or whatever. Um, and, and he says, you know, say hello to so-and-so and the church that meets in their house. So mm-hmm. obviously there there were some regular gathering of people that consistently got together at, let's say, Priscilla's house or something like that. Maybe. Maybe. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know that we know that's true. I, I, I think at least as I see it live out, was the folks in Ireland, South Africa, or places I've been, I can say, gosh, I could write a letter to someone there and say, I could write it to the whole group of people, even though they never meet together. Uh-huh. And I could talk about, you know, the brothers and sisters that kind of, because there's, there's more, there's certain homes that are hospitable homes, yeah. and therefore people kind of hang out a lot there. Yeah. And so you can talk about the saints that get together there. You can talk about, not necessarily a meeting. I, I like to say that my family, my extended family, kids, grandkids, friends, we get together all the time, but we don't ever have a meeting. We're together. We have a meal. We have conversations. If someone's hurting, we deal with it. If someone needs encouragement, we give it. If it needs to be a private conversation, a few of us have it on the side, while others might be watching a football game or playing something in the backyard. Families get together all the time, but they don't ever have a meeting. And there's something about where meetings begin, fellowship ends. And I think that's often true because it becomes some kind of managed moment. So, but it doesn't mean that we can't regularly. I, I can walk into a lot of homes that are some of those hospitable homes where people are around it all the time. People are invited to it. There's a camaraderie they share. I think that looks like what Paul's talking about. Right. So, okay, one other thing that just came to my mind, and I, and I wonder if I just lost it as you were <laughs> saying that last thing because I was listening to what you were saying. I always uh, talk one sentence too long. Ah, uh, what was it? Oh, it was good too. I, I know it was it was it was the next big question that would normally come up, and that is oh preaching. So so obviously there's there's a lot of you know how can they believe if somebody doesn't go out and preach the word of God? There's a there are several places in there where some people are called to to teach and stuff like that, and so uh, it, they're they're you know Paul said he was not hindered. He went from town one town and he preached and he actually preached the gospel. Uh, from house to house and publicly, so there there were public gatherings as well, was, but but still maybe not regular. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I, I particularly preaching kinds of things is less. I mean, we're, we're preaching to Christians, which really preaching is about the uh, the lost. Yeah, you're it's, right. So we're having these services. We got a preacher in there, but he's preaching to the the choir. I know we had a crusade in one town I was pastor at. We had this big committee, and the whole thing was 
It's to get unbelievers there, unbelievers there. And then the last week it was, we got to get all the believers there so we have enough crowd for the unbelievers. And by the end of the day, I think all we had was believers there. Right. Because the unbelievers weren't so interested in coming. You can preach. I can have a meeting in my home and, and teach people. If uh, Sometimes I've been invited into a home. Would you take six weeks and teach us through intimacy with God or community or whatever? I do that kind of stuff all the time. I think that's fine. I, I don't see any way you have to do it in a Sunday morning 501c3 for it to be teaching and preaching. Yeah, There's lots of ways to teach and preach, including most of the preaching Paul did or John Wesley. They were doing it on the streets in a needy part of town where people were free and ready to listen to somebody on a street corner rather than in a mall trying to badger Mr. Businessman to come and listen to your little rant about how he's going to hell for making too much money. I mean, I think the whole idea of what preaching and teaching was in the first century, we, we add our forms to it that are pretty repulsive and think they're the same thing, and I don't think they are at all. And then the next logical question that comes up in my mind is, um, you know, what about do this often in remembrance of me? Uh, speaking of celebrating the Lord's Supper, the communion. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. I come from a very churched background, and, and, you know, this is one of those things called the sacraments. And of yeah. course, you know, the Catholics, you know, it, it's even, you know, transubstantiation and all that stuff. I'm Protestant, so I, I don't deal with that. I, I can certainly, uh, you know, I believe in the priesthood of all believers, so I can certainly gather a, gump, a couple people together and, and break out the grape juice and the unleavened bread and, and, and have, celebrate the Lord's Supper. But, but there is that thing that, that says, you know, you know what, do you, what do you say to those who say, well, do this often in remembrance of me? Yeah, do it, do it often. It, it doesn't have to be in a building in a minute. It can be. But I tell you, when I grew up, it was uh, tacked on one month at the end of a service. Yep. It was a, a wafer and a shot glass. And, you know, there wasn't much to it other than we were doing a sacrament, as you say. Sarah and I mostly take communion now around our family dining room table. If we've got more than three or four people there who are people of faith, uh, we're going to break out some bread and juice and we're going to celebrate it. So we often do it. We do it simply around, which I've got a man who's got his doctorate in Eucharistic theology. He's now a retired Methodist minister. He's writing a book on communion, which I don't think he'll ever get done. But the first line of his book is something like this. The early church would not have conceived of serving the Lord's Supper for the first 300 years of its existence at any place other than the family dining room table. Mm. And when that sinks in, now we go, wow, the, the... the experience with that is limitless. It's not, you know, once it became the priest in the building from the official table, and his comment was, you see these big tables in church, it says the Lord's table etched into it. It says the Lord's table never appears in Scripture because the Lord doesn't have a table. He has a supper, and he sets it on your table because he wants to be in your world, in your life. And for me, that really gets to the heart of what the celebration of communion is among saints. And it's it's a full-blown piece of bread and a good swig of juice. It's not a it's not a wafer in a shot glass, though. So. Yeah, yeah, I like that it. It was part of the everyday of you know they had wine and bread at every meal, so it wasn't even specific to the Passover meal. Which is as often as you have bread and wine, celebrate my death till I come. It would virtually every time we eat, and I, I think that is a much more real way to embrace these realities than tacking it on the end of a service. Everybody's wanting to go home, and then, gosh, it's Communion Sunday, so now we got to sit through another ten-minute deal. And it's not meaningful in the way that grabbing bread, looking brothers and sisters in the eyes, and you know, celebrating God's healing at communion, or what this early church did, celebrate the communion of all saints. Is when I, 
I've got a brother who's preceded me in death. I've got good friends that have died before me who are followers of Christ. And the idea of celebrating communion with the, at the table of all saints is when I sit down at the table, because Christ is there, saints past, present, and future are there. Without getting occultic about it, I don't think my brother shows up at my table. But when I celebrate communion in Christ, I realize he's in Christ too. We're closer together at communion than we are anyplace else on the planet. Yeah. And that adds some wonderful dynamics to that celebration for God's kids. You know, I it, interestingly enough, I when I first decided to quote unquote leave the the institutionalized weekly gatherings, one of the things that I felt led to do was, or well, not okay, that's wrong. Not that I felt led to do. One of the things that I thought that I might do. How's that? That's better language. There you go. That's one better of, language. Uh, one of the things that I felt like I might do would be to gather together some of the other believers that I know that, you know, th- that we have had relationships with anyway. And every now and then, and my thought was about once a month, every other month, Stephanie and I would contact a local restaurant, a nice restaurant, reserve one of those quote-unquote party rooms, and our family would buy just everyone dinner. Come, hang out, enjoy each other, and this is and and what we will do is we will come there and we will celebrate our our life in Christ together okay. and and whatever whatever form that takes we just invite you to come let's have a great meal together sometimes it might be in our home but we, we but always around a meal is what i just felt yeah that's what i want to do and sure. i and and you know a lot of people have asked you know what do you do about tithe and stuff like that and and i've always had i, I by the way, let me just say this. If folks want to, you can go to that blog post I mentioned earlier, gspn.tv forward slash destination unknown, all one word, gspn.tv forward slash destination unknown. In the comment section, somebody had asked about tithing, and I even put links to the materials that you had provided on it. And way before I ever uh, found you, I'd already come to that conclusion, although I had been guilted back into tithing again. Ah, uh, yeah. So prior to my leaving the uh, the church, or the I didn't leave the. I always hate that. Do you ever find yeah. that I never left the church? I don't I, use that language. I don't even use the language of God told me to leave. I say, you know what? Maybe God asked you to walk with Him in a different way than you had been walking. Yeah. I don't think God leaves. Says you should leave this. I think He invites us into something new, and yeah. we're free to do it. So. Well, the, the, the you know one of the things that I thought is like, well, I'm used to pulling this money out anyway. I I want to I want to do something else with that, and I haven't done these gatherings at all in the past year. <laughs> I don't feel guilty for not doing them. I just right. it just hasn't happened yet. Stephanie and I still talk about it from time to time, but what I have noticed is that you know I do carry around some, some you know uh, quite a bit of extra cash. And it's amazing the opportunities that have come up, and and just to to go and see needs and meet them just on the spot. That's kind of fun, but but yeah, I guess for me, what I wanted to say to people is that my you know what form does my Christian life take? I don't I don't know if there's any way to describe it other than the fact that I I I am more connected with my heavenly Father than I've ever been before. I. I, I I place more emphasis today on understanding Jesus because Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And if I can understand a little bit more about Jesus, which there's always more to learn about some of the things because of all of his parables, um, man, it, it, 
that's that's where I spend most of my time. I spend most of my time thinking about the things Jesus said, the things Jesus did, the people he hung out with, the way he did life. And and what's odd is I don't see a lot of the traditional institutionalized church in in the life of Jesus. Well, it's almost an idolatry of form. Even the question kind of says, "What form does this take?" And or people will say, "What does this look like for you?" And it, it, we, we're kind of enculturated into there's something I should be doing, mm-hmm. and there's a right way or a better way or whatever, and we should all copy that way. And I, and I think people end up on this journey. The real passion is no, I want to follow God, and I'm gonna, I can talk about what expression that takes today. But a form is kind of putting some fences on it and some concrete around it and saying, this is what I do instead of following him. Instead of, no, let me follow him. And do you want to say what expression does it take? Do I, do I still read scripture? Yeah, daily. Do I, do I still have conversations about my journey with other brothers and sisters? Yes, weekly, multiple times weekly. Do I, you know, there's lots of pieces you can talk about, but I don't follow any of those as a form. Because the form is, to me, it, it takes the mind off of him and puts it on an it. And then I'll start serving the it instead of following the him. And that's where we harden into an institutional mindset, whether or not we're part of an institution. I, I think you don't have to be in an Like you said, most of the stuff that I blamed that thing for, I found out were in me. I, I think we yeah. all find that out. It, religion, particularly religious performance, is an ingrained result of our shame and our brokenness. So I, I, whether institutions exploit that, which to some extent they do, but it, it, it still comes from here. They couldn't exploit it if we didn't have it. And so that freedom, to me, is the best part of this journey. God opens us up to follow a him less than an it, and then I, I, you know, people who are on the journey very far don't sit around and say, what, what form should this take? Uh, that, that's kind of a question that goes, I don't know if that's even a fair question, because what God asks you to do, what me to do, even from week to week, that answer would differ. So, much less month to month, or even a longer longer time frame. So, it, it, I think it's less a focus on form, and more a focus on Him, and what He's giving me today, and how do I live in that reality. Yeah, I like it. But it's hard to imagine, I think people who are, are comfortable with form... Talking formlessness scares them because the only people they've ever seen do it ended up couch potatoes, doing nothing for God, whatever. But there's a whole lot of people, honestly, who live this all over the world in great joy and freedom. And it, they, they're not couch potatoes. They're people who are following God to the ends of the earth, doing extraordinary things that God's offered them access to rather than going out and trying to do great things for God that always end up more for us than him in the long run. You know, that, and that's the thing. Um, I, I think you listened to the interview that I did with Steve Brown. And, I did. And one, one of the coolest things at the end of it, he's like, he, go, he says, Cliff, keep, what, keep doing what you're doing. You smell like Jesus, is what he <laughs> said. And, and that, that's, that's one of his key phrases he uses quite often. Are you familiar with Steve Brown? Were you familiar with him before? Not other than your podcast, no. I just heard him there and heard some of the things you referred to there, yeah. Yeah, I'd listened to him for years, man. And, uh, but but yeah, you know, and, and that's the other thing. You know, I was talking to another friend of mine. I, I won't mention any other names, but I was mentioned to going, hanging out with another friend of mine, and he happens to be Greek Orthodox. And and if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I could be wrong, but Greek Orthodox are 
very much along the lines of you know they they've got a lot of rules that they adhere to and and stuff like that. I I you may know more than I do. Is, is, am I right about that? I don't know if they have more. I think orthodoxy is much more of a focus on relational life than institutional life, at least in their oh. theology. I don't think their practice is oh. much different. Okay. But their theology, even their theology of atonement, seems to be, I mean, I love parts of it that I've read, and I'm not an orthodox scholar, but I, I do think they have more of a relational uh, theology. But I, again, every religious institution gets down to rituals and traditions and doctrines and less about life and love and grace. Well, the the one thing that I found interesting in this is very few people have ever challenged my des- decision to pull myself and my wife and my children out of that weekly attendance. No, very few people have challenged that. A couple of people have questioned it and mm-hmm. have have cons- have said, you know, I'm pretty sure the Bible says this, 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 and this. You know, th- th- that's to be expected. But when we're reaching, <laughs> when I'm re- reaching as many people as I am, and I've only had about nine or ten people, that I, I'm, it's almost that's, a neg- that's amazing. Yeah, it's an I amazing. get more than that every week. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine, but but the thing is though, is that the people that I that know me and they know my family, and who very much still very much believe that we ought to be a part of those gatherings and stuff like that. And not once do I ever have any of them try to sway me or 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 try to convince me. They they're like Cliff there he he this this one friend of mine. He says Cliff here's the one thing. He goes there you can't argue with the fruit. And that's what he said. And and that that that's the thing. It, there, I, I'm obviously not a couch potato. I'm not yeah. a, I'm not a couch Christian. I am, I far from it. Yeah, I am, I am more intensely seeking truth, and 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 you know, and I believe the the only truth is Jesus. I, I am more intensely seeking Him, following Him, trying to learn each day, you know, to to trust in Him more. Than I ever have before, and I mean, not that I wasn't trying before, but man, it is—it's pretty laser intense now, and yeah. it, and it is so much who I am that that you can't you can't divide my faith from any aspect of my life, mm. and and I can tell you right now, prior to this decision, um, you know, f- f- there there were times when my faith my life was segmented. And faith was a part of my life. It was a very big part of my life. But today, I can I can honestly say that my faith is my life. It is it it's permeated my entire being. That's great, and I think that's one of the values of not having on my spiritual life invested in a meeting or two a week. Is that then it does begin to overrun my whole life? I was talking about that with a pastor this last weekend. How much of for people their spirituality is. I go to Sunday morning fellowship and I go to Wednesday night home group. I don't even know that I read scripture much because I can't find a way into it as well as the pastor teaches me on Sunday. So people pretty much live their Christian life vicariously off of their local holy man guru. And when you lose the local holy man guru, I think what exactly I'm, we become less passive, more spiritually engaged. The fruit of that will eventually win people who are afraid. When you stop going, you will now dry up and blow away in the dust. The longer you don't, is the more that just freaks people out. Yeah. Particularly when the fruit and the passion goes a whole nother direction. We say, gosh, I see great growth in your life. And that really sets up for some 
delicious conflict with people who go, <laughs> I don't get it, man. You were supposed to dry up and blow away by now, and you haven't done it. So yeah. I don't yeah. know what to do with that. That's you know, what we were told. It's interesting. Our um, Two of our children have asked at different times in the past year, hey, Dad, I want to go back to church. You know, And I'm like, okay, tell me why. You know, Let's have this conversation because we'll go this Sunday if you want. I mean, let's talk about why. And and it's never been about God. It's been about, you know, they, you know, they want to hang out with some friends and stuff like that. Yeah. And, I, and I said, and I told him, I said, listen, if that's what you really want, we'll go to church. As long as you understand that if that's the reason why you want to go, we'll go. But understand that's the reason why we're going. You know, I mean, let's just, let's just be real and authentic about it. And, and, and I, I told him, I said, anytime you want to go, there's there's lots of great churches around here. There's a lot of places that have fun factories and and they they got activities. They got, I mean, it's 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 like better than most country clubs, you know. <laughs> and 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 I really love what you wrote at the end of your article on tithing. You know that that it you know that it you know not being an obligation, but hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna regularly partake in the benefits of a of a big institution that that has a staff that cares for this that pays for this and does this i think it's a probably a responsible thing for you to do to contribute there i mean yeah. you're a member of that quote unquote club and you know and 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 why not help support that if that's what's benefiting you and your family and and so that's what i told my kids and they've not once said hey let's go this sunday oh wow I, but, but 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 i tell i tell them every i tell them every time they bring it up you tell me which church you want to go to. You want to go to the church we went to before? Eh, not that one. You tell me what church you want to go to. We'll talk about it. And and if if it's if it's a church that obviously has you know the you know that believes the right things, this is you know we'll talk about that. But um, it, yeah, any church you pick it out, we'll go. It's a great experience too. People get partway down this road because some people do who felt like that institutional thing is not working for me anymore, and they get out and then they start. Well, I really miss the worship, and I really miss the friends, and I really miss this. And so they go back one Sunday, and they'll go, now they're seeing through everything they didn't see through before. You really can't go back the way it was. And sometimes it's a really good reminder to sit there and go, okay, now I remember why this was not helpful to my spiritual experience. Or even, yeah, I got to play with some kids, but I had to do some really boring lecture first. And I think the best thing to do is go sometime and find out how little of that still resonates with your heart. Because your heart is changing in the process of no longer feeling like my obligation to it is somehow saving me in some way. When that begins to falter, now you see those things very differently. And, and you're really asking the question more, is this helpful to my journey or is this a detraction to it? And yeah. I, I, to see. I find that with some books and I'm, I still listen to some sermons every now and then. And, and it, is, it is funny. It's like, dude, that is so wrong. That no, you can't say that to people. Come on. And I, some of it depends on where you come. Some of it borders on spiritual abuse. It'd be like watching sitting in your neighbor's home, watching him slap the kid across the face with the guilt messages and the, the the disfiguring of the God of Scripture. I mean, the, the whole spectrum of institutional church is all the way from definitely abusive, hurtful things to more benign, and some are even helpful to the journey. But boy, when when it just is getting people slapped upside the head with guilt and shame, I can't stand to sit there. I mean, I wouldn't sit there and watch it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And and what's amazing to me is there there are two people that in this past year that that I look up to that I respect very highly. 
uh, in the area of faith. Uh, one of them you know is a friend of mine who recently passed away back in April of this year. Uh, pastor of a, of a church and, and I mean, honestly, this really helped me understand God's love for me by literally in, in it, it being, you know how we talk about, you know, God, you know, we're the hands and feet of God. And yeah. he, he was the heart of God to me. It's like, wow, oh. did he oh. incredibly speak into my life? And, and you know what? I, I listened to his sermons and I agree with about 90, 90% of it. And that's, and knowing what I know t- today, that that that's saying a lot. That's that, awesome. But it, but there's still. A I'm ten- not sure I agree with ninety percent of the things I say. But well, here's <laughs> here's the here's the thing though is there are a couple things that I've heard him preach that I'm like, well, he has to because he's the pastor of that church, you yeah. know. Uh, and 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 not 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 that that's why he says it. I mean, I believe he believes those things. He believed those things. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah. But here's the one thing. You, I could, I, I can't judge the fruit. I mean, the he, he had, he had the fruit. I mean, he was a pastor. He he led a, a gathering, a weekly gathering of people. He was he was just he was almost as anti-religion as I am today. Um, he he hates the guilt and the fear mongering and all of that other stuff just as much as we do, and. And yet he was very much active in creating or in leading a movement of a gathering of people who were sick of religion, but and but still very much carried on some of those things. And so I saw that and I, I'm still inspired and, and I recognize that, yes, his heart's in the right place. I recognize there are many people within that gathering whose hearts are in the right place, but there are a lot of people there that are there because of the same reasons of all the other things. Um, I did hear one thing is like, I, I heard one mention It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I just said that. And some of you, you, you know who you're, who, when we talked about, we need help with the teens and you didn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, that was, that one was a guilt trip. I heard that one, dude. Yeah. And, and, and I even know that, that it's like, he would have even said if he, if, if he even heard himself say that. You're like, dude, I was wrong to say that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, but here's and and then the other person is Steve Brown. Steve Brown's a uh, seminary professor at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary, I think is what it's called, and he's got this radio show and and he he did this whole entire podcast series called Scandalous Freedom based on upon his book Scandalous Freedom. I just read his book Three Free Sins, which is absolutely amazing. This guy hates religion, but yet he's very much. He he says, but he he and he'll tell you. He tells you on his radio show. He goes, listen, I don't care. I I don't need the money. I don't need the job. So I'll say anything I want. I am only doing these things and I say these things because this is how I get paid. You know, it's it's like I, I'm paid to be a Christian, and mm. and stuff like that. But he goes, it's wrong. Every all, everything about all this stuff, it's wrong. And I love his his thing. But I just don't understand how how you can walk that line, be in both worlds, but I guess some people do. Yeah, uh, and I don't know how you do it either. I mean, like, people will question me, like, I, I say the things I say, yet I'm last last week in one of those environments where I'm actually being a part of it, encouraging their journey, and I, I just think God's about people. I think the institutional elements around what we do is not evil, it's just irrelevant. And if we could learn to follow him and do what he's asked us to do, there would be people on our path to love every day, to engage, and 
life unfolds in a beautiful way in the midst of what God's giving, rather than us trying to do something good for God to satiate some guilt we have or some shame thing that I should be doing more for God, I think that always leads us astray. So, but, but the point isn't to get out of something or into something. Or, it is, what has God asked me to do? Who's he walking me alongside right now? How do I live in that reality? And, and see, the other stuff is more irrelevant than we like to think it is. To me, I don't care about institutions. I care about performance-based guilt messages that keep people sheltered away from the reality of God. I care about that. And whether that's in a home meeting or an institutional gathering, it's harmful no matter where you find it. And that's that's more what I'm about. How do we get into what it is to be loved, to be freed from shame, and now be transformed by that love into the kind of people God's asked us to be in the world? Because that's who he made us to be, and it's the best thing in the world to be who God's made you to be. Yeah, It's well, not, you got this horrible obligation now, you got to be like God. No, I, I think to know God is to want to be like him. People who don't want to be like him, I just think they don't know him yet. Because there's things I used to believe about God, I didn't want to be like that. Yeah. But I don't believe those things anymore. Now, everything I know about God, I want to be like him. And I want him to bring it into my life his way. Because every way Wayne's tried to figure it out on its own, it's failed. So I've kind of given up on that approach. Nice. Well, hey, I know you've you've got uh, some interesting things working out. Real quickly, I, I want to get an update from you. The so you don't want to go to church anymore. A couple of weeks ago, you launched a podcast episode on the God Journey, saying that uh, you just had some folks out. Have you moved any further on that? Uh, have they come back with with the? Are they working on a manuscript or, for the movie? Yeah, yeah, the script's being done right now. They got about twelve, thirteen week uh, kind of time frame to get a first draft script out, so people can look at it and see if it's moving the right direction. So, yeah, it's moving forward. I'm I'm really excited about it. I think there's some real potential here. So Yeah. Well, I want to encourage people to check out thegodjourney.com. It's, it's one of my favorite podcasts. It's on hiatus right now for a very long time, indefinitely. <laughs> it's uh, only been a month. People say it very, it's been a month. It seems um, like it's been forever. But I've are, got three podcasts that I, I taped up in Canada, so those will be showing up soon. Uh, I just don't let me get back to doing a regular show kind of thing. I think when I've got something that'll be kind of fun to put on, I'll put it on. And that, that may get back to weekly. It may not. And I just don't feel the pressure to have to serve it every week. So Yeah. I, that, you know, that's exactly what I do with this show is whenever I feel led to put something in here, I put it in here yeah. and stuff like that. So that's, that's good stuff. Anyway, I want to encourage people to check out thegodjourney.com. There are plenty of back episodes if you want to hear some great conversations between Wayne and some folks. Uh, also, is it thejesuslens.com? Yep. Thejesuslens.com. We're big on the. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really love that series. In fact, I just had a conversation with somebody who brought something out of Hebrews that says, if I, if I know the truth and something, something, then, uh, and, and I sin, then there is no sacrifice for me or something like that, blah, blah, blah. And, and there's wrath and condemnation that will be poured out. And I'm like, oh, come. And, and it was so funny. Because of the Jesus lens, I immediately saw through this. Wow, that's great. It was like, wow. And, and, and this is exactly what I told him. I said, listen, okay, so here's the deal. Um, Peter uh, knew Jesus. He, he, he knew. He had good relationship. He was in relationship, right? And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, Jesus says, you're going to deny me. He says, no, I'll follow you everywhere. 
And then all of a sudden, so so then you have, um, you know, Peter, he denies him. He sins willfully. And that, and of course, they, they made a point that this is willfully sinning. He's like, no, Willful, he, he premeditated, he, even warned in advance. Yeah. He willfully denied him three times that he even knew the guy. And and so and then all of a sudden, then so we know the rest of the story. Jesus is resurrected. He comes up. He's hanging out for a couple days, and then he says, "Peter, dude, you denied me. Now there's no sacrifice for you." I and he and 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 we know that Peter was consumed by the flames of hell. God's wrath. Absolutely. God's on wrath the spot. Yeah. on the spot. That's exactly what happened, right? No. 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 Well, then maybe we're misinterpreting. Hebrews here maybe yeah because I and and I love that because I I really am starting to understand if if this doesn't jive with what Jesus showed us about our relationship with our heavenly father then there's got to be a different explanation for our understanding of what's being said here and I love about that story is when Jesus is telling Peter the mistake he's going to make he's saying to him I've already prayed for you that your faith fail not so Jesus is already praying Peter past the failure he has yet to commit. Now, this is my biggest gripe with Sunday school. No one taught me about that Jesus in Sunday school. <laughs> I got the, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. And I got that. Yep. I never got Jesus saying, well, you will, but I've already prayed for you, that your faith's not going to fail. And that Jesus is already beyond the, mispa- the mistake that Peter's flesh is going to make that night. And he's not all that bothered by it. Yeah. Where the Jesus I grew up with Sunday school has to tell Peter, listen, go home, lock the door, crawl under your bed. I'll see you Sunday because I will not be able to bear it if you fail me tonight. But that's not the Jesus we have. And yeah, I think that's great. I'm glad that's the fruit of that little Jesus lens thing. It, I think it, fun thing to- it is. And I encourage everybody listening, go, go to thejesuslens.com. Seriously, it, it, I can't believe that you've made this available as a free resource it's available on there. You guys find it and, and then go buy the DVDs because they're so awesome. Uh, Wayne, you don't have to buy it. It's online free. Wayne, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to any opportunity that God allows for us to connect again in the future. But I just want to say I really appreciate you and this friendship and uh, and and just the, the blessings that I've received just from, from knowing you. Always a pleasure, Cliff. Appreciate you taking the time to do this with me and um, appreciate your story. I appreciate watching your journey unfold. I get to watch so many people's journey unfold into just greater levels of joy and freedom. It's always a joy. So anytime you want, man, I'm happy to talk with you. All right. Thanks a lot, Wayne. God bless you, Chris. Well, my friends, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Encouraging Others Through Christ. I love these conversations. I, oh, I tell you, just real, genuine, authentic talking about stuff that matters, stuff of deep faith that really matters, that's practical, beneficial, uplifting, encouraging, edifying to the soul. I hope that you guys are having those kind of conversations with other people, other believers as well. Uh, I want to encourage you again, go over there to thegodjourney.com, check out thejesuslens.com, and hey, if you like this show and you haven't yet done so, you could go back all the way to episode number 121 of this podcast. It's been an amazing journey over this past year. Anyway, until next time, my friends, God bless.